welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, headmaster of Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on the Quarter Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This week, we are again exploring the intellectual virtues. Mr. Young, could you remind us what you mean by this? Sure. The intellectual virtues, I, by that I mean the natural endowments of the human mind. And uh, although many philosophers have lists of intellectual virtues, seven or five, uh, the list I use and the one the Providence Academy has used is three intellectual virtues of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Last episode, we talked about the intellectual virtue of knowledge, and today we're going to talk about understanding. Great. So what is the virtue of understanding? I had a feeling you'd ask me, Noah. <laughs> so if we look at knowledge, again, as the human faculty that apprehends fundamental principles of truth, you know, whereas understanding comprehends these truths. So you notice apprehending truth versus comprehending. Uh, those two words sound similar, spelled similar different meanings, right? So let's examine the difference between these words, and that'll kind of help us with knowing the difference between knowledge and understanding. So the word apprehend is derived from the Latin word uh, apprehendere, which is to, means to grab hold of. So when we talk about the intellectual virtue of knowledge, God has wired our minds so that it can grab hold of the things that it sees or feels or you know, it could know things mm -hmm. without, you know, instruction. They just, right. Sometimes we need to give a uh, language to that. Like, just like Adam named the animals. So he saw these animals, he, he apprehended the truth of them and named them. And that's what they were. So we have that capacity. Even little children can, can do that. Um, last episode, I talked about the idea of like, I think I used a pen, right? So if I tell a little toddler, you know, the, to, you know, he has a pen and I show him that that's a pen. Um, he now knows penness. Yeah. And then, and then any, from then on, I can ask him for a pen and he might find something as a different shape, different color, different, you know, look to it, but he knows that it's a pen. Mm -hmm. It just, that's just, he apprehends it. He, he, he gets it's His mind has grabbed hold of that understanding or that, that knowledge. So understanding has to do with comprehension Co to comprehend uh, it's derived from a Latin word comprehendere, which means to include or to unite. So the idea of understanding is um, that we're including or uniting truth to truth. Um, so it's like it, it builds. We, the the uh, truth, um, we can derive truth from other truths even. Mm. So, um, so I might, uh, I might be able to talk to a, a student or a child about 
you know, the, the concept of one, <laughs> right? You know, one pen. Because remember, I taught him what a pen was. Right. Right. And then he can see another pen and one pen. But we can put the one pen together with the other pen and come up with a whole new thing called two. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's building on that. And, and it's, and it's not only that it's, um, it's, uh, uh, building, you know, uniting truth from truth. It's, it's also even, uh, comprehending the laws of, of things like logic. Yeah. So what are the laws of logic, Mr. Young? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so, so there are, there are three fundamentals laws of logic that, that all, you know, logic is based off of and including a lot of, you know, mathematics, algebra, that type of stuff. Um, so, so let's, let's suppose that the letter P is any indicative sentence, any sentence that indicates uh, a reality. You know, we live in Wisconsin. Uh, it is now in the month of July and it is not beyond the possibility of it snowing at some point. Right? <laughs> That's true. Right. I've lived in Wisconsin for 20 some years and it did snow once in July that I remember. Wow. That crazy. So let's just say, yeah, uh, it is snowing. Okay. That's an indicative sentence. It is snowing. So there are three laws, the law of identity, the law of non-contradiction and the law of the excluded middle. So the law of identity is P is P, right? So the law of identity says that if a statement such as it is snowing is true, then the statement is true. Uh, more generally, it says that all statement P is the same thing as itself, and it's different from everything else. In other words, apply to all reality, the law of identity says that everything is itself and not something else. Isn't that nice? Yeah. So the law of non-contradiction, P is not non-P. So the law of contradiction says that a statement such as it is snowing cannot be both true and false at the same time. Now, but by that I'm not saying that, you know, it is if it's, you know, it might be snowing here in Green Bay, but not snowing in, you know, New Mexico or something like that. That's that's not what we're saying. We're saying yeah. that here, right? Um, it it's um the, the principle says it cannot be snowing and not snowing at the same time in the same place. Right. Non non contradiction. Um, the, the other is uh, the law of the excluded middle, either P or non P. The law of the excluded middle says that a statement such as it is snowing is either true or it's false. There's no other alternative. Right. So those, those are things. So these fundamental laws of are true principles governing reality and it governs thought. Yeah. These these kinds of things are, are even assumed by scripture. Mm. Right. So you, you, so when we're understanding, we have the ability to, to use principles like that um, to determine truth or non-truth. Yeah. Um, because we can understand, right. right. It's part of how God made us. Um, and, and this idea of comprehending um, greater understanding or, or have a greater comprehension of, of things that we can know. Yeah, it's it's just, um, you know, I'm trying to, to give you an example. Um, I can look out the window here and see trees. Yeah. Right. I I know that they're trees. I can see that they're trees, but I might not know them fully. 
I might not know or understand all about those particular trees, but I have the ability to do so, right? Yeah. Through study, through observation, through experimentation, through, mm. through all these kinds of things I can, I can know. And then I can also understand more and more about trees. And then I can understand more and more about the fact that these are sugar maples. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're, and they're not right. You, so yeah. because it's a sugar maple, it can't be a box elder. Right. Right. It's, it can only be, it can only be a sugar maple. If it is a sugar maple, it's either a sugar maple or it's not a sugar maple. And if it is a sugar maple, it can only be a sugar maple. Yeah. Right. So th this is, this is part of this idea of understanding. And, and you might, you might go, this is interesting, Mr. Young. Why is this important? This is interesting. Why is this important, Mr. Young? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> okay. So we live in a weird age. Yeah. And, and I know we've talked about this probably ad nauseum, but, you know, season after season, we'll continue to make observations about how <laughs> weird the world we live in. Yes. So, you know, we, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And there are a lot of people that are really, um, let's say, put out by this, mm. right? Um, my body, my choice is that thing in your womb. Is that your body? It's either part of your body or it is not your body. Mm. Is it your body? And then it becomes something that's not your body. I mean, at what time, in, in other words, when we start looking at the laws of logic, the laws of all thought, the laws of how reality is that is a baby <laughs> or it's not a baby. There's no other choice. Right. It's not a lump of cells until you want it. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can't, you can't magically determine that it is no longer something that you said it is. It's either a clump of cells or it's a human being. Yeah. Does that, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? So it's either, or so one side of the argument using things like, science biology right <laughs> you have you have this clump of cells that is uniquely human that has its own chromosomes its own dna both from the mother and the father it is separate it is not the body of the mother it is something different right it's <laughs> right so it is it can't logically simply be a lump of cloth of, of cells. It can't logically be the woman's body. It is logically, scientifically understanding knowledge, you know, et cetera, a baby. So the, the real question is, is it right to kill a baby? And if it is, at what time is it no longer? Okay. Right. Right. So the, the pro-choice group doesn't like to frame the argument that way. That's why they use all these other terminology. They think that the language change can change reality, whereas we want to stick with reality because we can know truth and we can understand it. Yeah. Right? So it's, and it's not just abortion, right? We're looking at the gender confusion, right? I heard someone talk about that, that, all binary things aren't truly binary. They're all spectrum. No, they're not. <laughs> There's no middle. Yeah. There's you're either a male or you're a female. You're not both. You're not something in the middle. Right. There's right. There's so, 
So when we, when we talk through these things and, and we, we as human beings have, have understood this for millennial, like millenniums, like mm-hmm. thousands of years yeah. until yesterday, we checked it all and we're trying to create a civilization or maintain a civilization. And we're not doing a very good job of it, by the way, even maintaining what we have, it's getting worse. Yeah. Um, because we're trying to create a new new reality with our language. So until if if we're not going to teach children how to know things and how to understand things, what's going to be hap- What's going to happen to us? <laughs> right. What's going to happen to our world? Yeah. If if people can't comprehend things, yeah then we're in a lot of trouble. And I'll tell you why we're in a lot of trouble because the only jobs left for people who can't comprehend things are in the service industry and they're typically not very good at it. Right. And, and in all honesty, and you and I, I think we've talked about this at some point, maybe not on air, but technology is coming to a place where we could just replace the people in a lot of service industries. Yeah. So if you, if you can't, habituate your mind to know truth and to understand things. Yeah. Um, you're in for a hard life. You're in yeah. for a hard life. Yeah. Okay. So if somebody, so here's my question. So if somebody supposedly has the intellectual virtue of understanding, but they sort of change their opinion on something in a way that is not true, did they possess the virtue of understanding from the start? If you follow that? Yeah, that's a good question. My humble opinion is, is that the heart is wicked above all things, right? So the, the um, false understanding, I think that a lot of ancient Greeks had is that um, the problem with, and and by the way, modern people um, also have this, um, this problem. And that is, is that when we look at people um, deceiving themselves, right? Which is basically what you described. Yeah. They, they, they knew better, they understood, but now they've changed their opinion. And it's usually based upon some experience they just had, some pressure that they had, some sort of falling out that they had, some desire that was greater than truth. Right. Right. You know, like it, it, for instance, when I, when I hear of, when I hear of young people, especially young men who have fallen away from the faith, um, the, the, the intellectual questions they have about faith came after their abandonment of faith. They abandoned faith because they liked having sex with their girlfriend almost a hundred percent of the time. Like uh, seriously, it's almost a hundred percent of the time. If a, if a young man who's been uh, grown up in the church and abandoned their faith, it's because they started sleeping with their girlfriend and they really like it. So you think they consciously made that choice? Yeah, absolutely. They did. A- absolutely. They did. It, and what they did is they find, they looked and searched for a justification mm-hmm. to, to abandon truth. And, um, and so they, they, they find some question. And, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, the church has been around for a long time. There's been a lot of incredibly intelligent people who have answered pretty much every question you might have. Right. They're not going to go look it up. <laughs> They're not going to go study. They're not going to read. They're not even going to ask their pastor. They're just going to quietly slink away and tell their parents, I don't go to church because I think they're full of hypocrites and this, you know, weird thing about creation or I don't know, whatever it is, 
They'll have all sorts of things. And reality, what it is, is that they would rather sleep with their girlfriend than follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, now it's not a hundred percent of the time. It's almost hundred percent of the time. Other people, they just like drugs or they like, you know, other things better than Jesus, but it always comes down to that. They found something better than Jesus and they're trying to justify how, I mean, how do you change? How do you abandon truth and live for a lie? Yeah. Unless there's some benefit perceived benefit and it's generally sex or some other kind of pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I always find it so fascinating. You know, it's one thing to leave the faith and then, you know, claim you're an atheist. It's another to embrace, you know, say spirituality and, and shamanism, which is what a lot of young people do <laughs> yes. nowadays. Because they, they, they miss something. Yeah. <laughs> when you leave, when you leave the truth and you leave God who is a spirit and there is this spiritual well-being that comes from knowing him and having faith, they're, they're finding a, they're looking for a substitute. Yeah. Right. Remember when we all sat around the campfire and sang Kumbaya, how great that was. I missed that. Or when I was in church one day and we sang that hymn and it resonated with me, I missed that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find my own rituals and things mm. that will give me the same feeling of spirituality without it being true. Yeah. 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 Wow. And that, and that just happens. It happens all the time. Yeah. Okay. So no, this is fascinating. I've, I've so many questions, Mr. Young, you know, a lot of people listening, they're familiar with this concept of the trivium grammar, logic, rhetoric, right? Yep. So, you know, if, if you take somebody and they're learning something new, like welding, like I, I'm not even in the grammar stage of welding. Yes. Right. But like that second stage in the trivium logic, is that kind of where understanding factors in? Yeah, sure. So when we look at the trivium in yeah. classical education, which all your children should be in, yeah. <laughs> you know, every, everything that's a little plug Providence <laughs> Academy, you know, so, anyway, the, um, the, the trivium has three stages to it, a grammar, logic, rhetoric, and it, and the way we in, you know, the 21st century talk about classical education and the trivium, uh, it really is comes from Dorothy Sayers essay from the you know 1940s. I think it yeah. was, um, and, and kind of showing how the stages of that trivium co correspond really well with the, the development of, of children's minds. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, so we have at Providence Academy, a grammar school. Uh, that sounds familiar, right? Yeah. Cause everyone used to have grammar school and then they changed it to elementary school. Yeah. Then there was the logic or dialectic school and then, and then the school of rhetoric. So grammar, logic, there rhetoric, three schools back in the day. Um, you kind of see, I mean, in the modern day, you'd call them, you call them elementary school, middle school, high school. Oh, sure. Or, um, or in, in my day, and you know, it used to be, uh, elementary school, middle or, uh, junior high and senior high. Okay. Right. So three stages and they kind of kept people together and they kind of, because that's where they were developmentally. Yeah. So in the, in the grammar stage, the kids are like sponges. They can know a lot of things. And so what we want to do is teach them yeah. like how to know things and how to yeah. categorize knowledge uh, that they, they, they're able to have uh, in the early stages. It's, you know, uh, a lot of sensory things, uh, sight and sound and smell and touch and, you know, you name it uh, as they get, you know, say second grade, it's, it's more of what you think of as school learning. 
Um, they're, they've been learning how to read and now they want to, we want them to um, read in order to learn. Mm. But, but it's really focused on the grammar of things and to knowing things like back to your welding uh, example. So in welding, the grammar of welding is knowing the vocabulary, right? You need to know the, 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 the equipment, the names of the equipment, the, uh, all these, yeah. all these things. If you, if you don't know, if you don't have a knowledge of these things, the grammar of welding, you're going to, it's going to be a really long ride, Yeah, right? You're not just going to pick up a torch and start welding. You start with the grammar of it, right? right. So, so grammar school students for, for us, it's that junior kindergarten through sixth grade are really like sponges absorbing all this knowledge. Now they're, they can, the, 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 one of the lures of common core that came out <laughs> is that they, they'll, they'll, this sounds really great. Why, why would you teach something that a child can't understand? Well, that kind of sounds like there's some logic to it. Right. And I would say that if, if you were in high school, right, you, you shouldn't teach something that a kid can't understand. And that's the thing, just to pause, that's the thing with grammar, uh, being in a grammar school, say, right, is you have these kids learn and memorize a ton of facts and information, even though they don't Understand it. Understand it. Correct. Because they're capable of knowing a ton, even though they're not able to understand much. Okay. Because what happens is, is that as their brains develop, you know, for girls, it's probably fifth or sixth grade for boys. It might be a little later, but their mind develops and they, they need, they want to know more. They need, they're not content with knowledge. They want to know why. Yeah. They need to understand. Right. So so this, this happened in our household. Uh, our, our kids are instructed. Like you, you don't come when you wake up in the morning, you need to um, make your bed, get dressed and come down for breakfast before you come down to breakfast. And they dutifully do it. That's what we've taught them. Boom, boom, boom. Every day they're making their bed, getting dressed, coming down for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then one day they'll come down and you'll go, wait, did you make your bed? And they'll go, no, why do I need to make my bed? I'm just going to get back in it. Right. I'm just <laughs> right. So, so what's happened is this is where their mind is. They're seeking in their mind, a reason why mm. they want to comprehend this instruction of making my bed. What does that mean? Why would I need to do that? See, I haven't even come up with a good answer to it. I just wake up before my wife. So I never have to make my bed. Yeah. Right. So, but anyway, <clears throat> sorry. Anyway, the, <laughs> I, my wife's going to listen to this. I'm going to be in trouble here. But they, anyway, <laughs> the, the point is, um, that's where their head is. They're, they're going to start sounding argumentative because they're no longer content with just being told to mm. do something like they're still in the grammar stage. They want to have an explanation as to why. Now, before that, like in the early years, when I hear these little kids go, why, why, you know, yeah, that's just stall tactics. And you, they don't need to know why you just tell them to do it and they should do it. Right. So parents. Don't let your kid, don't sit there and give long explanations to kids about things about why something is because they don't care. And that's not where their mind is. They're really trying to stall. They're trying to get you not to, to make them do something they don't want. Right. But when they're like fifth grade, sixth grade, that's really where their mind is. They're going to sound argumentative, but that's partly because they don't know how to argue. Right. So what we do in the, is this understanding part, right? So yeah, as they get fifth, sixth, Seventh grade, by the time they're in seventh grade, the overwhelming majority of the kids are ready for logic, right? So we want to, we want to teach kids, not just like in history, what happened, 
Yeah. You know, that's knowledge. We want to know why things happen. We right. want to make connections in history and literature and theology and Bible. And, you know, that there's this, this greater comprehension of, of, of these events or these things or these ideas because they're capable of now comprehending or of, of understanding things. Mm-hmm. We want to teach them how to argue well. We teach them logic. So again, remember we talked about understanding part of that is driving truth from truth. Yeah. So the, the classic syllogism is an example, right? So all, uh, all men are mortal. Socrates is a man. Therefore. Socrates is mortal. So, Socrates is mortal. So we knew these two things. We do a major premise. We do a minor premise. Yeah. And then that third part, this is something we concluded. We had to think about it. Right. And yeah. come up to the conclusion. So this is, this is the idea of understanding. Or, or more of that understanding and using these laws of, of logic. They're, they're capable. Our mind, human minds are capable of doing that. And we, and we simply need to do a little training. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. A little I, habituation. Okay. I have a, I have a question for you, Mr. Young. So tell me your thoughts on the concept of mastery in a person's life, you know, reaching the rhetoric stage in a vocation or a skill set or, um, you know, a certain field of study, you know, what do you make of that? Cause I, I'll look at my own young life and there are a handful of things. I can probably only list them on one hand of things that I have reached the rhetoric stage at, but I, I, I'm probably in that logic stage, you know, like Jack of all trades, master of none with a ton of stuff. <laughs> so, so like, I don't know, like, would you encourage people just, what are your thoughts on that? That's a very like half baked idea, but Love it was very half baked, but let's go on with Love, it. No, I, yeah. I I understand what you're saying. So so there a, a rhetoric, the yeah. rhetoric part has to do with expression, right? So right. so let's let's go with first of all how we look at the trivium at Providence, and then we're right. gonna apply it to your situation. Sure. Okay? So what's gonna happen is is that we think that by the time a student is in 10th grade, they should pick up pretty much any book and be able to read it. And to, to understand it. Right. So they understand the argument of the author and the point of view of the author. They can look at the minor premise, the the major premise, the minor premise, or even unspoken warrants. They can investigate and kind of get that from history or from, from their biography or something. They They can get that. And then they can look at the conclusion. And if it follows the, if the conclusion follows those two premises, then you have a, a, a valid argument. Then we think that a student can also go and look at those premises and, and see if they're true or not, or in what sense they're true, because, you know, sometimes it's kind of true, right? right? It's true in this sense, but not in this sense, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And, and, and if there's this truth to these premises and the conclusion follows, then it's not just valid. It's a sound argument. In other words, this really is true. Yeah. But, but the next question is so what, right? So what, right? So, so as a, as a student in 10th grade, they're turning 16, getting their driver's license. And the reason why we pick 16 is um, as a nation, you might say, or every state I think has it at 16 ish yeah. is because of brain development. Their brain has developed is developed another time and they have a greater sense of awareness of what other people are perceiving of them they have this innate desire to be expressive. Yeah. Uh, they're looking at who, who do I belong to? What kind of, you know, who are my friends, all that other type of thing. So because that's where they're at and, and it's really um, 
the, the questions are like, who am I type of thing? Right. And this desire to be expressive. What we want to do is help students eloquently and persuasively communicate what they believe, mm. right? What they believe is that, so what, right? So they come to a conclusion. This is, this really is a sound argument. This really is true. Then the question is, so what, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for our community? What does this mean for our church or for mm. our school? You know, right. Yeah. And it's this reflection on that and, and then coming to a belief about it, then eloquently and persuasively communicating that belief we yeah. think produces wisdom. If, if this is a continual thing of reflecting on the truth and how it applies to me through understanding, through understanding, then it's going to produce okay. wisdom, Lord willing. Right. Okay. Cause that, that was my whole kind of better way of rephrasing. My question is, you know, is understanding enough? Could you leave it there? But you're saying no, right? No, you, <laughs> you need to, you need to go to the wisdom and that's next episode, right? Is the, the theological virtue of wisdom. But, but to, to your point about mastery, right. About, about, so, so rhetoric, it has this idea of expression. Um, yeah. So if you're back to welding, sure. right, you start with the grammar of it, you know, the parts, the pieces, you know, then you go to the logic of it and understanding of how it works right now. I don't just know about welding. I know how it works. Um, and then you start practicing, right. And then by actually doing it, like the, the work you're producing is a way of expressing your knowledge and understanding of welding. Mm. Right. So that, yeah. that's, that's the thing now to become a master of it is, is a little different. And welding is one of those interesting things because it is a, a welding. It would be a techne, a, a technology. It is a type of virtue, uh, a type of intellectual virtue actually um, that, um, that we don't address as much at Providence as we do with the um, more uh, the moral virtues and the uh, um, and more, more of the academic part. Right. Right. Um, but it, it is, once you understand the trivium grant, there's a grammar to all subjects. There's a logic to all subjects. There's a rhetoric to all subjects. It helps you break down those things. So if, if a student at Providence Academy says, Mr. Young, I, I'd really like us, I really want to learn how to weld that can be an elective in their junior or senior year. And what we would do is we'd put together, we'd match you up with a master welder who would um, teach you the grammar of welding. They would teach you the logic of welding, and then they would teach you the art of welding that, that rhetoric of right. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it fits with, I mean, again, um, if, if you've ever read anything about classical Christian education, one of the things that we, when we talked about Dorothy Sayers essay, Dorothy Sayers essay is the lost tools of learning. And, and the, the, the movement started with really with Doug Wilson's book, recovering the lost tools of learning. So, so this grammar, logic, rhetoric, this, that, that kind of, that match the intellectual virtues. Right. Um, is habituating people to know how to learn to do things even. Right. So, so the, these are, the grammar, logic, and rhetoric are tools of learning. Yeah. So if you, if you master grammar, logic, rhetoric, or understand that there's a grammar to everything, logic to everything, a rhetoric to everything, you can teach yourself to master anything. Okay. Cause you'll know how to, you'll know how to break it down, right? You'll know how to, okay. So I'm going to be, uh, um, 
you know, I'm going to study to be a, uh, what's the, what's the, catch me if I, you can, right. The oh, Leonardo sure. DiCaprio yeah. thing where he, he, he goes off and he's becomes a lawyer without going to law school. Right. Right. So, so Leonardo DiCaprio's character catch you if you can, he knew like there's a, there's a grammar to law and he studied it. There's, there's a vo- vocabulary. You, you have to be able to use terms. Right. Yeah. And then there's a logic to it. Right. There's all this case law. You, you got to read it and study it and understand it. Right. How does this, how does this law apply? Yeah. Right. And then, and, and that's the, that's the rhetoric. So by, by breaking it down and studying it on his own, he never needed to go to law school and he, and he passed the bar. Yeah. Right. He legitimately passed the bar by studying right. for a few weeks. Right. I think is how right. it went. In so, so that's, real life story. that's, that's kind of like the, the, you know, the big treasure that comes out of a classical education, right. Yes. It's this notion that, Hey, we're teaching you how to learn because you can learn and teach yourself anything in the entire yes. world. Yeah. I mean, I've even had a student who went off and became just master podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> History of the Vikings, I think. is there, it. That's right. right. That's right. But, uh, but in any of these things, there's the grammar, logic, rhetoric. So again, and part of it, I'm just going to make an appeal here to uh, classical education once again. Yeah. Is um you know, a lot of people are like, you know, schools, private schools, expensive. I get it. It's hard, but here's the thing. We, we have no idea what the future holds, right? What's college. You know, if you have a five-year-old, what's 20 years from now going to look like, look at higher ed- education right now. It's imploding, right? Yeah. S- uh, smaller schools are, are uh, closing. We, we don't know what the future is going to hold, mm. but if we prepare our child to be able to learn. Yeah to give them the tools of learning where they don't need to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a piece of paper and still not know how to learn. Yeah. So it, it's well worth the investment. Yeah. Get, put them in a position where they could do anything. Yeah. If they want to go to college, they can, if they don't go to college, they don't have to, they can make up, they can figure it out. Yeah. They, they don't need someone to tell them to do or how to do everything. They can figure it out. Yeah. That, that, I, I talked to the board one time is, is um, my, my goal is that students who graduate from Providence Academy are not whiners, they're doers. Right. I, I and this is, this is one of the things that bugged me about some people <laughs> in younger generations. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do anything and they complain. <laughs> I don't yeah. Well, that's, okay. Sorry. <laughs> right. And then they have, do they have legitimate things to complain about? Absolutely. I'm not going to call them snowflakes. I'm not going to derate them. They're, they're, they're getting a, a bum deal. Like the world that I grew up in is much better than the world they're growing up in, in terms of future, like being able to go to school, being able to buy a house, being able to have a family. I get it there. This is not a great place, but I also know that whining doesn't get you anywhere. Mm. Yeah. You actually have to figure it out and, and work hard. And what, what I want is, is to graduate doers. You know, we left this world in a messed up way. Someone's got to fix it. It might as well be our kids. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> my, I like it. And my yeah. kids are listening to this and they're going to go, dad, that was horrible. <laughs> I, again, <clears throat> to my children, I, I want on behalf of the, the generations that have gone before you. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> 